Word tonight, Galatians chapter 1, and I trust that we can say some things that will help you in the Word of God tonight. Just remain standing for the reading of the Word of the Lord. We're going to the Lord uh, in prayer and, and offering here in just a little bit, but I'm going to let you sit down first. Let's, uh, we'll do the offering at the end of service. Let's do that. I marvel, verse 6, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ and to another gospel. Everybody say another gospel. Paul said this, now notice close. He said, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But he said this, though we are an angel from heaven, Preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you. Let him be accursed. And as we said before, so say I now again. If any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. Then I'd like to take you quickly to Romans chapter 1 and uh, read verses 16 and 17. Again, the writings of the Apostle Paul. And he said, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I like that. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Is there anybody here that loves the gospel of Jesus Christ tonight? Amen. Thank God for the gospel. Before you're seated, let's do pray for the sick. I do not see prayer request sheets, but I know that we have them. Brother Grady Kite is still recovering. I'm glad to have Brother Donnie Mack here. He's been going through some issues, but God's got that, and I believe that. And uh, Sister Christine Lawson is back in church. Sister Christine, we love you. And we prayed for you. Amen. I tell you, these old timers are just tough. That's all you can say. They're just tough. These, this younger generation's a bunch of wimps compared to the, these old timers. Here we go. Thank you, Brother Darrell. We're going we're gonna to hold them up before we pray. How about that? Amen. So let's go to the Lord in prayer for all of these needs along with your unspoken requests. Let's pray together. Lift your voices. Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask you to heal. Take care of every need, O God, every sickness. We believe You. We know that You're able to do exceeding and abundant above what we ask or think today, according to the power that worketh in us. Move, Lord, upon our minds and our spirits tonight. Touch every need, every unspoken request. Those whom we call their name, let the hand of God do mighty work. In the name of Jesus, we pray today. Put your hands together before you're seated, and let's give the Lord a hand of praise tonight. Let's worship Him. Hallelujah. 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 You may be seated. God bless you. My subject tonight is what's wrong with the gospel. What's wrong with the gospel? Well, let me, let me begin by saying this to you. Obviously, nothing is wrong with the gospel of the Bible. Nothing is wrong with the truth of God and what the, the apostles and Jesus Christ devoted their lives to. Nothing's wrong with the gospel. But what about the gospel that is being preached 
in 2018 in many places and in many churches and in Christian literature across our globe, there is a different gospel that is being preached. The question is, is, is who is preaching and are people preaching the whole message and Bible salvation? Now, uh, I'm going to probably be pretty strong tonight with some things, so I hope you, I hope you gird up here and hold on. Uh, because we are, we are living in a very deceptive day. A very deceptive day. A day when if you have a big crowd, then you have a big church. But there is a difference in a big crowd. We all want a lot of people. But there is a difference in a big crowd and a big quote-unquote church. Amen? Because the church will believe and live by and hold to the doctrines of the Lord Jesus Christ and the apostles. And the whole message has to be preached when you're talking about Bible salvation. How would we answer today? The question ought to go to every preacher and to every church and to every body. How would you answer today if the question of Acts chapter 2 and verse 37 were asked you in 2018, what must we do to be saved? How many of you want to be saved? Saved from what? Saved from hell. We're in this church because it's a means of being saved from hell. Now, I am in no way and in no means saying tonight that we have the gospel cornered and nobody else has the gospel. That's not what I am here to tell you tonight. I am in no way here to tell you that we are the only ones saved. Here's what I will tell you. Anybody that believes the Scripture and carries out the Word of God has a right to salvation. And it does not go just because you have a denomination name on your door. That doesn't mean you're saved. What means... What, what that simply means is that's a part of, of, your, of your belief. But it's not by the, the sign on the door. It's not by uh, your family or your pedigree. It's not by your religious inheritance. It is strictly by what the Word of God says. And I want to talk a little bit about the Gospel. I want to talk about what's happened in 2018. Let me tell you, when it comes to the Word of God, I'm, I'm a purist. I believe the Word of God. I believe it from the front to the back. I want to live by it. I want to learn by it. I want to be saved by it. I want to walk by it. I want to talk by it. I believe the Word of God is important in our life. And furthermore, the Bible says that it is forever settled. You can't change one dotting of an I or one crossing of a T. You know what the Bible says about people that want to change the Bible? Change the Word of God? That people that want to add to it or take away from it are in danger 
of the plagues that are in this book. So we don't need to be guilty of taking anything away from the Scriptures. Neither do we need to be guilty in adding things to the Scriptures. We need to take the Word of God just like it is. And everybody said, Amen. The word gospel, we've always talked about it as being good news. It comes from an Anglo-Saxon word, God's spell, meaning God message, our good story. And we use the transliterated term good news in place of a Greek word that I won't even try to pronounce. But, it, but it, it, we usually think of it, of that word, the Greek word, as meaning only good news. But it really means more than that. If you do a little study, the word is E-U-A-G-G-E-L-I-O-N. Actually, it signifies a present given to one who brought good tidings or a sacrifice offered in thanksgiving for such good tidings having come. Therefore, what I want to say to you tonight is the gospel signifies not only the good news and the good tidings of the Lord, and it's not only the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ that is good news, but also our response to the good news. Thanksgiving. Everybody say thanksgiving. Thanksgiving for such good tidings having come our way. I don't know about you. But I'm glad that I was introduced to the truth of God. I'm glad that somebody told me about... Tommy? Amen. We'll keep trucking. That one sounds better anyway. So, good news is wonderful. But thanksgiving for good news is also wonderful. That's all a part of the gospel. Paul called it his gospel. He said, my gospel in Romans chapter 2. Because God revealed to him the full doctrinal content of the gospel, embodied not only in our relationship on the basis of grace, which he preached strongly, but also on the responsibility of Christians on the basis of gratitude and giving God thanksgiving. This is why most of the epistles are divided between doctrinal and practical teaching. That's the real gospel. Amen. So, let me, I want to just give you some things. We're, we're not preaching just Paul's gospel. We're preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. But, but, therefore, you are not preaching Paul's gospel if you preach just believe. Now, I want that to sink in. Let me say it again. You are not preaching Jesus' gospel. If you just preach, just believe. I'm on the Internet. I'll be crucified upside down in some areas tonight. But it's okay, because I'm going to stick with the Word of God. You ready? Here we go. Furthermore, if you're not preaching Paul's gospel of repent and be baptized and receive the Holy Ghost, and, and, and that's all you do. You're not preaching His gospel if you stop right there. There's a whole lot more to the gospel than repentance and baptism and receiving the Holy Spirit of God. There's a lifestyle 
involved in the gospel. The gospel of the New Testament begins with the working of grace and salvation. And it must continue with the working of grace and sanctification or it is not complete. Now just go get the tape or tapes are outdated. Go get the CD and listen to it when when you get a chance and, and just dissect what I'm saying. You can't just come to God, repent, go to the waters of baptism and receive the Spirit of God and then that's all you have to do. That's a once saved, always saved doctrine. You must continue in the doctrine. You must continue in the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel is not the gospel if you take away from it or if you add to it or if you put your own twist on it. Paul said, he said this, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that which ye have received, let him be accursed. You know what Paul's saying? If you don't do it this way, it's the wrong way. You know, I'm gonna be very blunt tonight. Now we got we got folks that's been here just a little while. We got some that's been here longer than I have. But I'm I'm gonna preach truth to you tonight. If you don't like this, you may not come back. But here's the facts. Here's the facts. We are afraid in 2018. We have become such a seeker-friendly people that we are sometimes afraid to state the facts as they are. Tonight, you're gonna to get the facts as they are. You're going to get the Word of God undefiled. And I'm going to tell you exactly why Paul said what he said. What he said. Because already men were beginning to pervert. He said there are some that have tried to pervert. Go look the Word up. Change the doctrine, the gospel. Change what Jesus taught. Change what the apostles taught. Change what Paul taught. He said if anybody preaches anything else, he's accursed. He wouldn't get along with our day, would he? Because somebody had snarling himself, so you think you're the only one saved. Y'all are quiet now. Well, don't hurt anybody's feelings. Well, I'm just going to preach tonight. And if I hurt feelings, well, you'll get over it. I'm just going to tell you the truth tonight. So, so Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ probably would be angered in most gospel message preaching that would, would go out today because it's watered down. And it's made, you know, we, we do everything we can to make, to not be offensive. Let me tell you, sometimes the Word of God is offensive. Let me give you a little scripture. The Bible said the Word of God is quick and it's powerful and it's sharper than a two-edged sword and it cuts to the bone and the marrow. Have you ever been cut to the bone and the marrow? That doesn't feel good. That, that's not something you want to go through on a daily basis. But sometimes the Word of God cuts through and it gets down to where we live. So tonight, I want to talk about what's wrong with modern gospel. You want to hear it? Let me, let me just give you. What's been changed? What's going on in 2018 when it comes to the gospel that a lot of people are teaching and preaching? Well, first of all, I want to preach to you, you can't take the blood of Jesus out of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus is the saving blood of Jesus Christ. You know, many years ago I, I read where a certain denomination was, was going to take blood 
the word blood out of their songbooks and, 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 and not mention it in their services. And then, you know, they didn't believe in a bloody gospel. Let me tell you, honey, it is a bloody gospel. Blood had to be shared, shed all the way from the beginning. When Adam and Eve were in the garden and Cain slew Abel, let me tell you, blood had to be shed. And the Bible said in Leviticus 17 and 11, the life of the flesh is in the blood. Well, I, could, I could preach a whole sermon tonight on the blood of Jesus Christ, but it's a fact. That strong preaching of the blood of Jesus scares people away now. It's a fact that the blood also scares the devil in case you don't understand. If there's anything he don't want us talking about, it is the blood of Jesus Christ. Because his blood can wash you. And his blood can cleanse you. And his blood can save you. Hallelujah. I will never quit preaching about the blood. I may preach a whole sermon on the blood this weekend. But the blood is a saving element of the church. And it's got to be a part of our gospel. In the Old Testament, it was the blood of bulls and goats. It was the blood of sacrifices that pushed sins on and rolled them forward. It was blood sacrifices. But let me tell you, when Jesus went to Calvary and blood spilled from His side and blood spilled from His hands and blood spilled from His feet and blood trickled down into His eyes from the crown of thorns and blood ran down His back from a whip, let me tell you, that blood was not just blood. That was precious blood. Because He said, you are not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold, but you are redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Is there anybody here that remembers when the blood came and the blood washed you and the blood cleansed you? We can't quit preaching and we can't quit singing and we can't quit talking about the blood. The blood is important to the gospel. Does anybody agree here tonight? You remove the blood, you remove the power. I said, you remove the blood, you remove the power. You have no power without the blood. One drop of His blood. Amen. It's the cleansing agent of a man's soul. It's the only thing that can wash your sins away. You can't get it out with Comet. You can't do it with Fantastic. You can't do it with 409. But let me tell you, one drop of the blood of Jesus can turn your dark black soul into white as snow. Because He is the cleansing agent. That blood is. That blood. That blood that ran from Calvary. That blood that covered generations. That blood that is still powerful. That blood is important in 2018. And while other churches may quit talking about the blood, this church will keep singing. There's power, power, wonder-working power in the blood. This church will keep preaching about the blood because the blood is a part of the gospel. Somebody shout amen. Let me tell you something else they don't like to talk about. Our generation. You know what? Today we preach Jesus Christ and what He can do for you instead of Jesus Christ and Him crucified. In the gospel there is a cross. A me-centered gospel is the enemy of a Christ-centered gospel. People, and I, and I understand, people want to hear all positive preaching. Anybody preaching 
Self-denial now is not popular. But self-denial, self-denial is a condition of discipleship. You can't be a disciple of Christ without some self-denial. Anyone preaching self-denial is not positive anymore. It's called legalistic. But let me tell you, Jesus did. He preached the cross. As a matter of a fact, let me tell you what he said. You can't come after me without carrying a cross. If any man will come after me, he said, let him deny himself and take up a cross and follow me. Cross-bearing is a part of the gospel. Every day is not going to be a mountaintop experience. Every day is not going to be lovely. Come on now. The cross, the cross is the most revolutionary thing ever to appear among men. Let me read this. It's by A.W. Tozer. Here's what he said. The cross of Roman times knew no compromise. It never made concessions. It won all of its arguments by killing its opponents and silencing him for good. It spared not Christ, but slew him the same as the rest. He was alive when he hung, when they hung him on that cross, and completely dead when they took him off of it. That was the cross the first time it appeared in, in Christian history. With perfect knowledge of all this, Jesus said, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up a cross and follow me. So, A.W. Tozer said this, So the cross not only brought Christ's life to an end, it also ends the first life, the old life of every one of his true followers. This and nothing less is true Christianity. We must do something about the cross. And there's only one of two things you can do. Flee it or die upon it. When you come to Jesus, honey, you better get ready to carry a cross. Because Christianity is cross-bearing. And any preacher that stands up here and tells you it's a me gospel, and it's all about me, and what can I get? Somewhere you got to give. Somewhere you got to lay it all down. Somewhere you got to take up a cross. Somewhere there's got to be some commitment. Somewhere there's got to be a sacrifice. Somewhere there's going to be some hard days and nights, and some tears of repentance, and some weeping, and some time of struggle. But thank God, with the cross, you can trade it in for a crown. If you don't have a cross, you'll never get a crown. But honey, the gospel entangles a cross. It's a part of our experience with God. Somebody shout hallelujah. So we can't do away with the cross. Lord, give us a cross. Let us be cross bearers. Let us know the power of the cross. Let us have our own cross. It is impossible to please God without carrying your cross. He said, deny yourself. Get rid of that me stuff. Get rid of that what are you going to do for me? How much are you going to bless me? Put all that aside and say, God, what can I do for you? What can I sacrifice for you? How much can I give myself to you? That's what cross-bearing is all about. 
Anybody with me tonight? This is what's wrong with the gospel of 2018. People, people don't want to bear a cross. They want to hear all the good. That's why, that's why there, there are preachers that will not preach to you about a cross because they're afraid they're going to offend somebody. I'm preaching to you tonight. If you don't have a cross, you'll never get a crown. Amen. Anybody believe that? Let me tell you something else. I'm going to hurry along here. Here's what's been changed. You ready? The terror of hell. I believe in hell. I think preachers ought to still preach on hell. One of the well-known preachers of our day was asked, how come you never mention hell? He never mentions it in a sermon. He don't want to talk about hell. We better understand there is a hell. There really is a hell. It wasn't prepared for you. It was prepared for the devil and his angels. But let me tell you, the Bible said a nation that forgets God is going to be cast into hell. And hell is a very real place. Are you with me tonight? So, the terror of hell. We've decided to help God out because we understand our generation better than He does. And, they, you know, people want to hear a gentle, loving message of, of Jesus and His love. And heaven. And I agree. But somewhere along the way, somebody's got to talk about hell. The reason I'm in this church is I don't want to be lost. And if you're lost, there really is a hell. Is anybody with me tonight? What's wrong with our generation? How many preachers preach on hell anymore? I'm just asking you to take your own look. Take your own count. How many preachers would tell you there's a place where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched and there's darkness and blackness and weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. It's a bottomless pit where the fire will never go out and, and, it, and a soul will never die because hell is a very real place. It's not a place where you, where you go and you burn up in 30 seconds and all the organs of your body quit functioning and it's over with. We don't believe in the annihilation of the wicked because because that's not what the Bible preaches. The Bible tells you that you have a soul that's going to live forever and ever 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 and ever. And somewhere your soul is going to be either in heaven or in hell. I don't know what you believe, but I believe this is part of the gospel. Somebody has got to stand up and tell this generation there really is a hell. There really is a place of fire. There really is a place of torment. And you nor I, nobody wants to go there. Somebody's got to preach about hell. I told you it wasn't going to be popular tonight. Y'all not running aisles, and that's okay. But I want to tell you what's wrong with the gospel is we got too many pansy preachers that's afraid to stand up and tell you there really is a hell. There really is a place of fire. There really is a place to be lost forever. And you don't want to go there. I was raised fearing hell. Knowing there really is a hell. You may not believe that, but what right do we have to omit hell from our preaching when Jesus gave emphasis to it? 
Amen. What's wrong with the gospel? I'll tell you what's wrong. There's no law. He said, I thought we did away with the law. Well, Ten Commandments aren't ten suggestions. There's still Ten Commandments. Amen? We didn't do away with all the law. The law, the Bible said, was our schoolmaster that brought us to grace. You can't quit preaching the laws of God. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not have any other God before me. And on and on they go. You see, when the rich young ruler came to Jesus in the New Testament, by the way, he asked a very direct question. He said this, Good Master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, can you imagine today what preachers would answer if the rich young ruler came today? In most churches, here's what they'd say. Admit you're a sinner and just accept Christ as your Savior. Oh, you're waiting on me to go on. No, that's all you got to do. That's it. That's a false gospel. I'm not getting many amens. I hear a few of, of, of you that agree. But you know what Jesus said? He looked at that guy and he said, you know the commandments. Keep the commandments. Now, you're saying, you're saying, well, you know, we, we understand that the law, that was all. Jesus didn't use the law to bring him salvation. That's not what he was doing. He was using the law to bring conviction. Because he knew the guy was greedy. And he simply said to him, Keep the commandments. And you know what the guy said? The rich young ruler, I call him the guy because the Bible don't give his name. The Bible said that he turned away, shook his head, and turned away and walked away sorrowfully, the Bible said. Sorrowfully. That's the way he left. Because the Lord said, go take all you have. Sell it. Give to the poor. And what else? Take up a cross and follow me. Get rid of your money. Get rid of your riches. Go give it all away. Now, I want to tell you what I believe. Look at me. I can't change the Scripture, wouldn't change the Scripture. But I know how this works, and I know the principles that's in the Word of God. I don't believe for a minute that if he would have said, Yes, Lord, I'll be happy to do that, that the Lord would have made him do it. Because the Lord don't care if you have money. He don't care if you have riches. It's not money that is the root of all evil. I, was, I saw somebody the other day posting somebody that I know, and they said, Money is the root of all evil. I couldn't help myself. I said, That's not what the Scripture said. The Scripture said the love of money is the root of all evil. If you don't like money, something's wrong with you. you got, you're messed up in your cranium. If I give any one of you $500 tonight, you'd take it and say thank you. Am I right? But the love of money is what this young man had. And the Lord said, here's what you have to do. And he brought up the commandments. But Jesus wasn't preaching the commandments to him as a way of salvation. 
He was preaching. You've got to have the commandments and the law of God injected into the gospel to bring conviction. We are living in a time where nobody wants to confront anything anymore. Thank you. I am. And I made up my mind. I'm going to say it no matter who likes it and who don't. Because here's what he did. Jesus knew that the commandments would flush the old boy out. He knew what was in his heart before he ever said it. Here's what Paul said. For through the law comes the knowledge of sin. Through the law comes the knowledge. Through the commandments of God. Through, through the law comes something that will say, hey, I'm wrong about this. I need to double check this. Paul said, through the law comes the law. Here's what else he said. Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ that we might be justified by faith. The law is what brings the, the, the Word of God. Look, you can't just do away with Genesis through Malachi. That's not the will of God. He didn't put all that there for you to say, ah, that don't matter. Yes, it does matter. Thou shalt not kill. It's still. But I'll tell you, Jesus took it a little further. You go read the Sermon on the Mount where he expounded a little bit. He said, you've heard it said, thou shalt not kill. He said, I'm, I'm here to tell you, you can't call your brother a fool. You can't hate your brother or you're in danger of hellfire. So what are you saying, preacher? I'm saying to you, there are no do's and don'ts in today's preaching. Because we don't want to scare people, and we want a liberated generation. A liberated... Look, ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, there are still some things right, and there are still some things wrong. There are still some do's, and there are still some don'ts when it comes to serving God and the gospel of Jesus Christ. I, I might just stay right here for a while. Because you see, we, we got a generation that they don't want to, they don't want nothing to be wrong. They, they, you know the way, their idea is, well, it's personal. Everything is not personal. Fornication is not personal. Abortion is not personal. Come on now, idolatry is not personal. Greed is not personal. Covetousness is not personal. Jealousy is not personal. Oh, it may be personal. But, but what I'm saying is you can't just judge everything on a personal basis. There are some things that are right and there are some things that are wrong. Let me tell you something. You, you, can't, you can't live the way you want to in this city. You can't just do what you want to do. There are laws that we abide by. If we didn't have any laws in America, this place would be a mess. It's already a mess. But just think if there were zero laws. If everybody took the law into their own hand. I could say a whole lot about this tonight. But the problem is, the modern gospel wants to dwell on all the good things the Lord would do for you, and you just accept Him, and there's no conviction. We need Holy Ghost conviction. We need powerful conviction. 
We need conviction when people walk in these doors and they feel the power of God. Something needs to get a hold of them. The preaching needs to be convicting. The singing needs to be convicting. The worship, everything that we do ought to bring such a powerful presence of God that the law of God convicts people of what they are and where they are and what they're doing and where they're going and how they're living until they want to fall before God and repent of their sins. Wow. Only by the preaching of the law can a man desire to be saved from his sin. Remember that. Paul said, I had not known sin, but by the law. I had not known sin, but by the law. Think of that. Amen. So we, 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 don't, want, we don't want laws. We just want, we just want everybody to do what they want to do. No. No. That's what's wrong with us now. There are some things. Look, and I'm, I'm going to go here in just a few minutes if I, if I get tired. Let me hurry. I'm just going to stop right there and hurry on. Everybody say the fear of God. There's no fear of God anymore. What's wrong with the gospel is people don't fear God anymore. Where, what, happened, what happened to the scriptures that says it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God? That's in the New Testament, by the way. It's a fearful thing. Nobody has any fear of falling into the hands of a living God. Do you know, has it occurred to you that every one of us are going to stand before God? Every one of us are going to give a personal account to God? Has that dawned on us lately? That we have to give an account to God? It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. Here's what else it said. Proverbs chapter 9 said, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord. And the Scriptures tell us because God doesn't bring judgment hastily and speedily that men think they've gotten by. We're all guilty of that. Oh, well, you know, they, don't, they didn't remember that. Let me tell you something about my mom and daddy. If you, if you got promised a whipping, yeah, just go ahead and get ready. It's coming. If they said, when you get home, son, well, let me tell you something, the Word of God. The Word of God is truth. And whatever this Word tells you is going to happen, it's going to happen. Somebody's not hearing me tonight. The Bible said in Romans chapter 11, Behold then the kindness and severity of God. The kindness of God. I like to think of God as a God of love, a God of mercy. We preach that. A God of grace, a God of kindness. Oh, what a God He is. Jesus, 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 what a wonder You are. Well, let me tell you the other side of God. He can be a God of terror. He can be a God of judgment. He rained fire and brimstone on Sodom and Gomorrah. He opened up the earth and swallowed up many thousands of people. He can be a God of terror. He can send Jonah to the belly of a whale. He can do things to, to cities and to universes and to galaxies and to worlds. He can do it with one spoken word and one movement of his hand. You better never lose your respect and your fear of God. I'm preaching to you that we have a fearless generation. And that's what's wrong with the gospel of our generation. Preacher, you're telling us all that's wrong. I'm telling you what's right. Keep the fear of God. Keep respect for the name of God. Don't use the name of God in vain. 
Don't speak against the Holy Ghost. All sins, all sins can be forgiven, but not blasphemy against the Holy Ghost. Wow. We preach a gospel where God's broken heart over sin is no more. Let me tell you, son, God sees everything that happened today. He saw every rape, every murder, every abused child. He saw people starving to death. He saw every pornographic film. He saw every filthy act. He... How can we? How can anyone believe that he 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 sees this and does not grieve? I'm going to tell you, the heart of God is moved and broken by our world. But the church has created a carefree, cheerful God that don't care what we do, and it doesn't really matter. You just come to church, love God, pat your hands together on Sunday morning for 30 minutes, come back on Wednesday, sit through an hour's Bible study, live the way you want to live. The broken heart of God. Let me tell you what the Bible said: Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Okay, I gotta hurry. Here's what our gospel doesn't preach. Repentance. Everybody say repentance. I want to tell you on this Wednesday night, you cannot be a converted Christian without real repentance. Jesus himself said, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. His teachings and those of the apostles were full of commands to repent. And repentance, ladies and gentlemen, is not just being sorry. That's just conviction. Repentance is not merely a change of heart and change of mind. It is a change of action. It's doing a 180 from where you were to and going the other direction. It's a change of action. Amen? You must turn from your wicked ways. That's what the Bible said. Turn. You gotta turn around. When you repent, you gotta head the other direction. That's, you know, we've lived to see the time when all of a sudden, you know, people can get so religious. I, I, uh, there's an old boy that, <laughs> that worked at the Exxon station in Jones, Louisiana years ago, and I pulled up, and, uh, and he come out. That's back in the days when they serviced your car. You can't hardly find that anymore. I don't know where, I don't know a place in Monroe where they do that. But, but, you know, they come out and pump your gas and wash your windshield. Anybody remember all that? You young bucks don't know nothing about that. I'm glad to be old. Listen, he come out and he was working on my car and he 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 was just talking and letting some cuss words fly and you know just I mean and uh, somehow it came up I don't remember just exactly maybe he said what do you do and I said well I'm a preacher oh praise God Rev he said I do a little preaching myself. You talk about religion, he got it quick. We we <laughs> we're living in a day when 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 movie stars are all of a sudden, woo, Christians. So and so is now a Christian. Hey, read my lips. If you're still living in homosexuality, and you're still living in adultery. And you're still living a life of sin according to the Scripture. You are not a Christian. You did not repent. When you come to Jesus, here's what Paul said. If any man be in Christ, he is a, a what? A new creature. 
And he, he didn't stop there. He said, Behold, old things have passed away, and all things become new. you got a new lifestyle. When you come to Jesus and truly repent, it's like you're going south, and all of a sudden you say, uh-uh, I'm going north. You turn around and go the other direction from the life you were living. Come on, somebody. Repentance is a part of the gospel. A vital part of the gospel. You can't receive the Spirit of God until you repent. You must die in repentance. That's Scripture. I wish I had time to, uh, maybe I ought to take every one of these subjects and teach on them on a Wednesday night. But repentance is a part of the gospel. Furthermore, baptism. Everybody say baptism. Baptism is a part of the gospel. It's not an option. If you go to the forward place, you got an option what you want to put on your vehicle. But when it comes to this, it's not an option. It's like the steering wheel in a car. You don't go down here and say, well, you know, I like that truck, but I don't think I want a steering wheel. It's like the engine. you got to have an engine. It's like the wheels. you got to have them. You can't roll without them. So baptism is not. And many preachers and many people now are saying, well, baptism. I heard a preacher not far from where we stand right here tonight. He said it, and I heard him say it. Baptism is not, baptism does not save you. You get baptized because you are saved. Honey, you get baptized because it is a scriptural commandment. And it is New Testament circumcision. <clears throat> In case you don't understand that, in the Old Testament, a male was not in covenant relationship with God until he was circumcised. And everyone not so circumcised was to be cut off, the Bible said, from his people as having broken my covenant. That's in Genesis seventeen fourteen. A child received their name when they were circumcised, Luke 1, 59, and on the eighth day. That's called new life. New life in the New Testament. In the New Testament, we call, we call it to be in covenant with God when we are baptized in the name that is above every name. That's Jesus' name. Baptism's not a part of church membership. It's a necessity of salvation. Well, I'm going to get baptized because I want to be a member. You're going to get baptized because you want to be saved. Baptism is the washing away of our sin. And ladies and gentlemen, when the name of Jesus is called over you in baptism, the blood of Jesus is applied to your soul. You want some scripture? I'll give you some. Here's, here's Colossians 2, 9-15. Let me just read. For in Him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you're complete in Him which is the head of all principality and power, in whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, putting off, in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Verse 12, buried with Him in baptism. Everybody say buried with Him 
Him is Jesus Christ in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with Him through the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised Him from the dead. And you, being dead in your sins and the, the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath He quickened together with Him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to His cross, and having small principalities and powers, He made a show of them openly, triumphant, triumphing over them in it. So baptism is New Testament circumcision. I can do a whole Bible lesson on that. Baptism is a necessity. When they asked Peter what to do, he said, first you got to repent, and then you have to be baptized. It is a commandment. If you don't believe that, go to Acts chapter 10, where the Bible said, and he commanded them to be baptized. Amen. That's part of the gospel that's being left out. Oh, you don't have to be baptized. You can if you want to. No. No. You, you need to be baptized. That's part of your salvation. Receiving the Holy Ghost is part of the salvation. You know, I hear preachers te- teach and preach, now, and people argue all the time about, they say that, that when you have faith in God, you receive the Holy Ghost. I would like for somebody to bring me your Bible and show me in the Scripture. For anybody received the baptism of the Holy Ghost by simply saying, I believe. This thing working? Hello? I believe that people still receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Romans chapter 8 said, without the Spirit of Christ, you are none of His. If you go check that, that is Spirit with a big S. It's a proper name of identity. Hallelujah. So we are all baptized by one Spirit, big S, into one body. Jesus said, Nicodemus, you must be born again of the water and of the Spirit. I'm never going to quit preaching this. i got friends that have gone another way. i got people that I know that have said, well, you know, we don't believe that anymore. Let me tell you something. I'm going to preach the necessity of the Holy Ghost until the day I die. We might not have a two in this congregation when I get through. But I'm telling you, the Bible said every man has got to be born again of the water and of the Spirit. And that is salvation. And that is gospel. Hmm. And then, and then I, let me, let me, let me see how much time. Oh, I got three whole minutes. The gospel contains holiness. Everybody say that word, holiness. You can't get holy by just wanting to be holy. You get holy by getting a holy God inside of you. Holiness 
Watch me close now. Holiness is produced inwardly, outwardly. Not outwardly, inwardly. I've seen folks that looked holy that had a tongue like a viper. Holiness. We got it all wrong in many respects. I believe when people come to God and receive the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit, their spirit becomes holy. You won't talk like the world. You won't look like the world. You won't act like the world. You won't go where the world goes. You will get your life in order that it could be pleasing to God when you get holiness in your life. And that is part of the gospel. Amen. You gotta look beyond the veil of flesh. We spent, we spent much time, many times over the years, you know, talking about what people look like. Well, listen, let me tell you something. Let me, let me just preach to you a little bit. Now, I'm not saying looks don't matter. Look, I, I see people, my God, I've seen so many sights, and, and, and the longer we live, the worse it gets. I, I, I mean, I've seen everything. You have too. All you gotta do is just go out in public. And if you, 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 I mean, it's just crazy what people, how they live and how they dress and how they look and how they, you know, I mean, it really is. But it, but, but let me tell you what the Holy Ghost does. The Holy Ghost gets inside of us and it starts working on us. And we want to become more like God and less like the world. We want to become more like Him and less like them. Are you with me? Now, I'm not standing up here preaching you a clothesline sermon tonight because well, I could, but, but a lot of good that's going to do if you don't get it in here. Here's what I, I admonish you to do. Find you a place to pray. If you've got a question about something that's questionable, why don't you go ask God about it and not let the preacher become uh, the one that has to say, oh, no, you can't do that. Look, I've been in churches where preachers preached against stuff, and as soon as the preacher was gone, the stuff appeared. You know why? It wasn't in here. You've got to get some stuff in here. God's got to work in here. If you've got a conviction, live by your conviction. If you want to, look, you can't dress immodest. Oh, he's quit preaching with the meddling on a Wednesday night. You know that. I'm talking about everybody in here. I'm not talking about just women, although... The Scriptures talk about women more than it does about men. You know why? Because women's got more to look at than men do. If y'all don't believe that, something's wrong with you. Jesus never said to a woman, if you lay eyes on a man and lust, that, that probably ain't going to happen. But it does say, if a man looks on a woman and lusts after her, he's already committed adultery in his heart. Well, look, you can't dress like a Burma Street whore and expect people to stay Christians around you. Just the facts. There's just some things God isn't pleased with. Go search the Word of God. You just can't look some ways and be pleasing to God. You might please yourself, but you're not pleasing to God. Everybody say amen. So what I'm telling you is that holiness is a part. You know what Jesus said? Be ye holy as I am holy. And furthermore, He said this. Without holiness, no man 
and see the Lord. So something's got to take place in here that separates us from the world, that separates our lifestyle. Well, you say, okay, we got all we got all covered up from head to toe, nothing but our fingertips sticking out and our toes and. Well, you know, you can't see the toes. They, nothing but the eyes look. You go to the mall and find people like that. That don't mean they're holy. That don't mean they're holy. Matter of fact, some of that doctrine is pretty damnable. Just being honest. But here's the facts. When you get God in here, there's a little song that says, Jesus on the inside, working on the outside. Oh, what a change in my life. God will take care of every one of us in our spirit. And when He speaks to us in here, look, my Holy Ghost, I don't know about your Holy Ghost, my Holy Ghost checks me. If there's something that I shouldn't do or shouldn't say or shouldn't be, I want to tell you my Holy Ghost convicts me. Is there anybody here that will testify to that? When God talks to me, it's down in here, and He says, you know what, that's really not good. You shouldn't go there. You shouldn't say that. You shouldn't be there. You shouldn't do this. You should Come on now, I'm not, I'm not way out there somewhere. I'm preaching honest to you tonight. The Holy Ghost will tell you. When He, the Spirit of truth, has come, all you've got to do is get full of the Holy Ghost. When He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will lead you and guide you into all truth. Somebody say amen. He will help you know how to live, how to dress, how to talk, how to walk, where to go. Anybody here ever been in a place where all of a sudden you just kind of felt uncomfortable? Huh? Yeah. You know why? Because the Spirit of God says this is not a good place for a Christian. This is not a good place. This is somewhere you shouldn't be. Anybody with me tonight? So what I'm trying to tell you is, you know, I mean, people, you know, they, they've, tagged, they've tagged certain things on holiness. Let me tell you, if you, if you want to get holy, get full of the Holy Ghost. And listen to the, to the voice of God every day. Pray until you talk in another language. Pray until you're baptized in your spirit. And when you come out of that, I'll tell you what you'll do. You'll say, you know what, I'm just not doing that anymore. I don't feel right about that. I'm not going there anymore. I don't feel right about that. I'm not partaking of that anymore. I'm taking this off and never putting it on. I'm going here. I look, that's the way the Holy Ghost works. I could say a whole lot tonight, but I'm going to stop right there. I'm over time, and I know I am. Shall we stand? This is, this is what changes have been made to the gospel. It's not a feel-good. Come on, everybody. It's all feel-good. It's not. Look, I want you to hear me right now. Look at me. I'm going to be honest with you. It's not all feel-good. There's sometimes you've got to pray, and you've got to make yourself pray, and you don't want to pray. <laughs> You gotta whip yourself into condition to pray. Anybody didn't anybody here tonight didn't feel like coming to church? I thought I'd let y'all I looked out here when I first walked out and I said, Oh God, we've let them out two Wednesdays and they liked us so well they ain't coming back. Hey, it ain't always easy. It's not a bed of roses. It's not always on the mountaintop, but the gospel is cross-bearing. It's loving God. It's repentance. And repentance is dying. It's being buried. And it's rising again to walk in new life. 
It's living for God day by day by day by day. There's a whole lot more to this than just a little watered down, I accept Christ, go my merry way. Who in the world could ever preach a doctrine once saved, always saved? My God, that's a damnable doctrine. Who could preach that? Who? Wouldn't it be wonderful if you... Look, watch me now. Okay, you watch me. Watch me on the Internet. Watch me. Who wants to be saved? Come in here and shake my hand. I'm not making fun. I'm being real. So I shake your hand, and you repeat a prayer after me, and you accept Christ, and you walk out, and nothing's changed. And here's the good news. You can't ever be lost. That's what they say. Once you accept Christ, you're saved, and you can't ever go to hell. Hear this Pentecostal preacher on a Wednesday night. That is untruth. And you better study the Scriptures. I don't bring judgment on anybody, but let me tell you, we better get the fear of God. We better get the love of God. We better get the truth of God buried deep inside of us and know what God is expecting out of us. Is anybody with me tonight? Ushers are coming right now to receive your offering. I, I you know, I, I preached everywhere from Genesis to Revelation tonight. I, I've told you all the stuff that, that I know. So somebody else has to do it next time. But here's the facts. We can't change the gospel. Paul said, if you change this gospel, you're cursed. If you change this, God's not pleased with you. If you change what I preach to you, or if anybody comes preaching to you anything else but what I preach to you, it's 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 not the gospel. But there's there's a there's a false religion, and and they're trying to inject it into you. All I can tell you is this: I'm asking you to do this. Everybody, listen to me in my closing remarks. Somebody come get my offer, and I don't want to miss my blessing. Listen to me. You see this right here? This is a Bible. I challenge you tonight. Every member of this church, everybody that's watching on the Internet, everybody that hears my voice in any way, shape, form, or fashion, I challenge you tonight to check me out by this right here. And if I'm preaching anything that's not in here, please come talk to me and show me where that's at. Because I believe this book is our roadmap to heaven. And if we're going to make it, we're going to make it by following this book. Anybody believe that? Don't take just my word for it. I'm telling the members of this church, don't just take my word for it. I want you to, I want you to go see that this is where it's at. And it's not just the preacher saying this, but it's the Word of God because this is where it's at. Thank you for allowing me to preach to you on a Wednesday night. I know, I know I've been a little long, but I, I, I don't apologize because uh, I just needed to say this. So what's wrong with the gospel? All the things I've told you. What's right with the gospel? It's right here in the Word of God. And you study this book, and it'll teach you how to live, fear God, walk with God, love God, be holy, walk righteous. I love you. God bless you. I'll see you Sunday. I'll do better Sunday if you'll come back Sunday.